bouncing around. Drops! Think about Hoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Welcome in to the inaugural episode of Second and 26, your exclusive Alabama podcast here on The Athletic. Really excited to get this going. Thank you for listening. More important, thanks for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? I know they're going to make some of these free. And if you haven't already, you're missing out on the best deal in sports. So for our subscribers, thank you. And if you're not, slap on the hand. What are you waiting for? We've had some great discounts. And uh, I'm sure you've heard from your friends how great The Athletic is. You can hear me Monday through Friday, noon to 2 on WJOX 94.5. I'm on every day answering your Alabama questions. I want to welcome in uh, my co-host, Mr. John Hayes. John, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Aaron. It's great to be here on the show. It's a pleasure to work with you. Got to know you a bunch uh, down when you were covering Alabama while I was uh, working hard on the Fine Bomb show, but here we are today, and we've got a chance to to work together, and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. Yeah, and it's a big day here in Alabama. It's depth chart day. Nick Saban released the dreaded Uh-oh. depth chart. He doesn't uh, he doesn't usually utter those words very often, but uh, he actually handed one out today, guys. He actually on paper we have a depth chart, so they do exist at Alabama. Did he walk down the the aisle there in the press room and hand it to you directly, Aaron? He didn't, but uh, his his media relations staff did. Now he he's always quick to say that he only does these for us; that uh, they only exist for the press. Uh, but hey, give Nick Saban credit. Uh, I saw a lot of schools around the country today: Oklahoma, uh, even Houston. They did not have a death chart, and and Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech is uh, has come up with something called the anti-death chart. It's just everyone's above the line. I don't know what coaches are so paranoid about, like as if the media lets the players know where they stand uh, on the team. I, I think the players have a pretty good understanding of, of their place on the team every day in practice based on where where they're lining up and who they're competing against. But the coaches have uh, have chosen the death chart to to make their last great stand. But we got one at Alabama today. And uh, no real shockers on here, but there were a couple of things that that I want to point out for a Alabama fans. DJ Dale, obviously the true freshman coming in and, and winning a a job at nose guard is pretty significant because DJ Dale wasn't even one of the more highly regarded members of Alabama's number one ranked 2019 recruiting class. Um, everybody was wanted to talk about uh, Antonio Alfano. Antonio Alfano was the highest name the biggest, highest, highly regarded name on that defensive line class that they brought in. But it's DJ Dale who will step into some big shoes. Uh, you'll recall Alabama's had some pretty good nose guards over the last few years, among them Deron Payne. And then last year, uh, Quinn and Williams took college football by storm. So the fact that the, the true freshman has come in and won that job, pretty significant. Um, other things that, that stick out to me, um, three of the interior offensive line spots still up for grabs on this Monday going into game week. Uh, we knew that Alex Leatherwood was going to be left tackle. That holds. Uh, we knew that Jedrick Wills was going to be the right tackle. That holds. But a left guard, center, and right guard still up for debate. Uh, Nick Saban choosing to use the backslash instead of the or on the depth chart. So Emil Ikior or Evan Neal right now is listed as your first team left guard at center, Chris Owens or Landon Dickerson. 
And then at right guard, Landon Dickerson or Matt Womack. So um, three-fifths of the offensive line still under uh, competition at least Monday of, of game week. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, I, I tend to think uh, Evan Neal had a good shot there at left guard, but Emil Ikior being listed first, I don't know if that's just an issue of seniority because uh, he's a redshirt freshman and Evan Neal obviously the true freshman. Landon Dickerson, guys, by the way, um, he came, he comes over from Florida State as a graduate transfer, and everything I've been hearing has performed well enough in fall camp to be among the five best offensive linemen that they have. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of where is he going to play? Is he going to play center, or is he going to play right guard? It looks right like right now he might be the right guard because he's listed with the ones there with Matt Womack. So other things on this depth chart that particularly interesting to me. Not often that a uh, Bolitnikoff award winner given to the nation's most outstanding wide receiver is listed as a co-starter, but that's that's what we have. That's just how talented this Alabama wide receiving crew is. He's listed as a, uh, a co-starter there with Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle had, a, had an outstanding uh, freshman season last year, was named SEC Freshman of the Year, and they think so much of him that they're listing him basically as a starter with Jerry Judy at the same position there in the slot. So I thought that that was uh, that, that tells you what they think of Jalen Waddle, that even in the language of a depth chart that's made simply for the media, they wanted everyone to know what they thought of Jalen Waddle. Other things that sort of stick out to me, uh, the secondary, a lot of versatility. Uh, they, they still don't seem particularly set on any sort of um, guys as of right now. Trayvon Diggs is undoubtedly one of their starting quarters corners but the other corner we saw last year Patrick Sertain the second man that position but now Josh Job has played so well through spring and through summer and through fall that they can actually move Patrick Sertain if they needed to to the nickelback position which is called star the star position in Alabama's defense so um, the second corner right now is either Patrick Sertain the second or Josh Job. Uh, and then that star position, they have Shaheem Carter, who played really good football last year, or Patrick Sertan. Uh, Shaheem Carter can also play strong safety. He's listed with the ones uh, with Jaron Maiden. And then, of course, free safety, Xavier McKinney. And uh, no Alabama depth chart would be complete without a detailed breakdown of special teams because kicking has been an absolute, ni- an absolute nightmare for Alabama for as long as I can remember. But the true freshman from Hoover High School, Will Reichard, Looks like he's got that job one uh, over Joseph Bullivus. Will Record listed as the first team kicker. And guys, he's also listed as the either or for starting punter. So Will Record could kick and punt, but Skylar DeLong might have a say in that. And, and those, are, um, those are the immediate things that jump out from this year's depth chart, which Nick Saban and his staff handed out this morning. Um, this the, the Again, the Things that we'll watch going through the week is is the offensive line. Not not having five starters named uh, going into game week uh, tells me a couple things. One, they like the talent that they have. That's one of the deepest positions on the team. And the fact that uh, they, they feel good enough to list multiple guys as either or starters is a good thing for Alabama. And remember, uh, a name that's not even on this list is Deontay Brown. Deontay Brown... Uh, started uh, four or five games last year at left guard, but he's serving a four-game NCAA suspension. He was suspended for the college football playoff last year, a couple of games, and that suspension's carrying over, so he's going to miss the first four games. So 
all the names that I mentioned on this list. And then after four games, Deontay Brown will come back. All that basically equals is a ton of depth on Alabama's offensive line. And remember, they lost uh, Jonah Williams, their outstanding left tackle to the NFL draft. Alex Leatherwood's making the move back to left tackle. He played right guard last year. So um, they have a lot of versatility there. They're deep, but they still don't have their guys set in place. And that's about the only mystery remaining on that uh, on that offense, one that features Tua Tonga-Valoa as a starting quarterback, the four-headed monster-wide receiving core that they have, and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, and then the running back situation with Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, and Jerome Ford. Uh, that that offense is is as good as advertised, and we'll see. The only remaining mystery is uh, is what five will line up on the offensive line. I know coming up later in the show, John Hayes has got some interesting uh, totals from Vegas as it pertains to Alabama. What's Tua's chances to win the Heisman? What's Alabama's likelihood to go over uh, the season win total which I believe is 11, which means basically Alabama's got to go perfect again in the regular season for you to cash that bet. Uh, what's Alabama's odds in the SEC? He'll, he'll bring us all that coming up later in the show. This has been a, a fall camp that's mainly been plagued by injuries for Alabama. It seemed as if every week we were getting a different injury update and um, more so at Alabama than I, than I remember seeing across the country. I know LSU went through a little spurt of injuries one week early in camp. They seem to, to come out on the other side. Alabama has lost uh, an inside linebacker candidate, an experienced guy they thought was going to start at inside linebacker next to Dylan Moses. Josh McMillan was lost for the season. And then, of course, the big the big name of the, the 2019 recruiting class was Trey Sanders, a five-star running back from ING Academy. He gets hurt on basically one day. It's Thursday night practice. It's the last play of practice. He gets uh, a foot injury that's going to cost him his season that's really going to hit Alabama's depth chart. They had to move Chardarius Townsend from running back back to run, uh, rather from wide receiver back to running back. So uh, that that's a costly injury. But they've just been nicked up. Um, and, and what it's allowed for, and I didn't really hit on it, about the depth chart is uh, you got a true freshman in Christian Harris. He's won the job at inside linebacker. Now, a couple things you need to know that make this significant. One, Nick Saban has been known to play a less talented player if that player gives him a better chance to to take away the unknown. In other words, I will take a physically less gifted player who I know will line up correct, who I know I can make calls and he'll understand what I'm saying, who who knows the playbook a little better but that's not what he did in this instance because if he were going to go that route, probably Markel Benton would have been the choice there at inside linebacker to start. A redshirt sophomore, it's his third year in the program. Benton would have fit that description of a guy who knows the playbook very well um, but maybe wasn't as talented. But what Nick Saban did when he named Christian Harris the starter there at inside linebacker beside Dylan Moses is say, I'm going to roll the dice a little bit. We like this kid's upside so much. We think he's so athletic that we're going to take some of the headaches that come with playing a true freshman. And make no mistake about it, that's a, that's a position, especially with the game of football play the way it is now where offenses go so fast that uh, Christian Harris is going to make some mistakes. And it's really going to be incumbent upon Dylan Moses to help that young guy out, 
get helped him uh, help him get lined up correctly, and and all the checks and all that. But what's particularly interesting to this uh, about this him naming Christian Harris to me is I, I think Alabama's schedule allowed Nick Saban to make this decision because they start with Duke, and they don't have a uh, you know early in the season just a week in week out grind of playing. Uh, meat grinders in the SEC. If this were next year's schedule, for instance, if Alabama's uh, was was making if Nick, if Nick Saban was making this decision next year, 2020, in which they start out the season playing Southern Cal and Georgia in two of the first three weeks of the season, I don't know that Christian Harris is uh, is Nick Saban's guy. I don't know that Nick Saban feels he can take that risk with a true freshman against that schedule. But he's playing Duke. And he's playing a quarterback that not many people have heard of. And he's playing, I mean, honestly, don't cheat. Don't go, don't go to Google. Don't pick up your phone. How many guys can you name on Duke right now? Can you name me a starting offensive player for Duke? Can you name me any of their guys? Um, and I think the way this schedule sets up for Alabama, Nick Saban can, can take the risk, roll the dice, so to speak, of playing Christian Harris and by the time the meat of the schedule rolls around, by the time that you got to face some of these challenges late in the season, Christian Harris is probably only a true freshman in name only because he would have played so much football by then, you can depend on him. He's not a, a wide-eyed true freshman anymore. But if that, if that schedule this year were front-loaded, I don't know that Nick Saban could have afforded to make that decision. It's, uh, it's one that, that it fascinates me because he generally – will always side with experience there. But I think part of it is you gotta you gotta give Christian Harris his due. Um, because Christian Harris did not come in in the spring. He was not an early enrollee. Think about that for a second. Christian Harris, in an age when freshmen come in and they've been with the team, I mean some of these guys come in early enough where they're practicing with the team during bowl game preparation in the college football playoff. Christian Harris didn't come in until the summer, and he he won a job at middle linebacker for Nick Saban's defense. I don't know that you can that I'm properly doing it justice what this young man did. Um, so th- that to me uh, says a lot about the what what they, the coaching staff thinks the upside of Christian Harris is. And then you start looking at this defense. Boy, does it have a Louisiana flavor. I mean, this has a Louisiana flavor to it. Dylan Moses from Louisiana. Christian Harris is from Louisiana. Uh, we know Shaheen Carter is from Louisiana. Um, Fedarian Mathis, a backup defensive end is from Louisiana. Christopher Allen, uh, your backup Sam, a backup, uh, Sam linebacker from Louisiana. Nick Saban did a lot of work in Louisiana the last few years, and it's really going to show itself particularly on the defensive side of the football this year. Um, so if you're looking at what put Christian Harris in position to, to be here, it's the injury to Joshua McMillan and Alabama's had some injuries. Um, this camp that, that for a while, I think Alabama fans were just kind of gritting their teeth wondering when, when will it end? You know, we've lost a five-star running back. We've lost, uh, you know, your inside linebacker, uh, DJ Dale was banged up for a part of camp because, uh, he, he sustained a sprained knee, uh, LeBron Ray started off camp uh, with a uh, coming off of surgery, and he wasn't immediately available. We all know the just the 
litany of injuries that Terrell Lewis has dealt with the last two seasons that we've we've really been robbed of watching that freak play football and they've they've sort of limited his um reps this summer and this uh, fall camp to keep him healthy because he's going to be vital in Alabama's defense um, because Quentin Williams is gone that that pressure that came from up the middle last year uh, I don't know that you can count on a, a true freshman and DJ Dale to give you that. So I think the pressure as it pertains to Alabama's pass rush this year is it's going to come from the outside and it's going to come from guys like Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings and Christopher Allen and, and King Makuda. That's one of the more interesting names to say. If anyone's got the correct pronunciation on that, let me know. It's M-W-I-K-U-T-A. I'm, I'm going with Makuda. Makuda Matata. Uh, he's a true freshman from Georgia. He's earned, played well enough to come in and earn the backup Jack linebacker job behind Anthony Jennings. So, um, you know, we don't think that this defense will be tested much versus Duke. We'll get into breaking that game down a little more later in the week. Uh, but the way it's uh, set up, I, I think, is probably good for Christian Harris that the, the schedule was so backloaded. I mean, Alabama is probably really not going to be challenged even remotely until they go on the road at Texas A&M. And, and that's, you know, early in the season, but the, the real meat of the schedule, you know, when you're getting um, all the parts, the LSUs, the Mississippi States, the really physical football where you're going to, you're going to need an inside linebacker to know his stuff and he can't be second guessing himself. That's, that's late October, mid October and, and into November. And by that point, Christian Harris, while still a, a true freshman is really just a true freshman in name only. He will played, will have played a lot of football. You know, looking at this Alabama team, you know, the challenge that's been covering this team the last few years is is properly putting into context, take 2016, for instance, one of the best teams I ever covered, one of the best teams in the Nick Saban era. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about that 2016 Alabama team. Uh, why don't we talk about it? It won a championship. It won an SEC championship. But it didn't win a national championship. It's the same thing last year. Unbelievable team. Some people will tell you, historians in the SEC, it was the most dominant SEC season we've ever seen from an SEC team. But it's not going to get remembered. It's not going to be remembered like the 2015 team. 2015 wasn't nearly as talented as 2016 and 2018, in my opinion. But we're going to remember the 2015 team because they won a national championship. That's where I think we've, we've reached with this Alabama team. Is it disappointing if they don't win a national championship. And that's an awfully small small margin for error for a team. Uh, but I think that's where we are because we're not going to remember 2016. We're not going to remember 2018. They didn't win at all. And those were great teams. Those were historically good teams. But they didn't win at all. And that's where Alabama is right now. And so you look at this team. We talked about all of the offensive weapons. And man, I hate even saying the words because it's so it seems so utterly dumb to say this out loud, but I, I don't know how you don't. I think it's I, I do think it's disappointing if Alabama doesn't win a national championship. They're the best team in let me say this. They're the best roster in the country. I've had this debate with a lot of people. Um Alabama was the best, had the most talent in the country last year. That didn't make them the best team. Clemson proved to have the best team. But if you want to do a study and you want to mark down 
how many players get drafted off the 2018 Alabama team and how many players get drafted off the 2018 Clemson team. It's going to be Alabama. Um, but Clemson was the better team. Just because you have the most talent doesn't make you the best team. But I think, again, Alabama is the most talented roster. I don't know that makes them the best team this year, but they've got a ton of talent. I mean, those wide receivers, I've tried to properly put into context how good they are. You know, when I'm having to nominate for preseason awards, I almost feel like I'm I'm being a homer when I put three of Alabama's wide receivers up, when I tell people how good Jerry Judy is and how fast Henry Ruggs is. And, oh, by the way, people will tell you behind the scenes that Judy's great and Henry Ruggs is great, but the toughest guy to cover on the team is by far Jalen Waddell. It's, it, it comes across looking like a homer when you're putting three receivers from the same team up, but uh, that, that's how utterly good this team is. It's um, and, and it becomes all the more important because of those wide receivers that Alabama has that Tua become a quarterback that can read the entire field, that, that Tua becomes not just a RPO quarterback, which he was great in last year. Tua was great. I mean, they couldn't stop it for a, a huge portion of the season. But when you limit yourself to one read, if you if you're running an RPO, you've pulled the ball, and I'm going to hit – Jerry Judy on a, on a quick slant. If that throw's not there, what do I do? Because now my offensive linemen are three or four yards downfield. If I throw the ball, it's a penalty. What, what Alabama and what Steve Sarkeesian, the new offensive coordinator, is seeking to do is make Tua become a, a full progression read quarterback. I'm going to read the whole field. I'm going to go through all my progressions. And the feeling is if you get good pass protection from that all those offensive line that I told you about, who's going to be able to cover that? If, if Tua gets comfortable in that and gets proficient in that, you you literally can't stop it because you either – you've geared up to stop the run. Okay, you've done that. Let's say Alabama play action passes. Then you got to stop those four receivers. You've got to stop Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. I just uh, – it's going to put an awful lot of stress on the defense. And so you're going to have to have a defensive line like Clemson had. You're going to have to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback – um, like Georgia did in the SEC championship game, or you're going to get eaten alive, which is what Alabama did to most of the defenses they played last year. Um, that's just the, the the reality with this year's Alabama offense and, and how many weapons that they have and, and why everyone will be watching, not just NFL executives and NFL scouts, although they'll be chief among them. That's my number one concern watching Alabama against Duke. When, when I say concern, not really even a concern, just – uh, that's that's kind of my storyline is where is Tua in Steve Sarkeesian's offense? Now, we may not know a lot because Alabama, quite frankly, probably doesn't have to do a whole lot offensively to beat Duke. That's just the reality of this matchup that not a lot of people are excited about. But I, you'll get at least a sense of Tua's comfortability in that, of of the of the changes, if there are any, in Alabama's offense. You'll be able to perceive some of them will be perceptible to the non-football people that you'll be able to say, okay, this is different than last year. That will be my storyline as I'm watching Alabama do. Again, I don't know how much we're going to learn because Alabama could line up and run the ball 60 times against Duke and they're going to win that football game. But where Tua is in his progression from the guy we saw last year who was phenomenally talented, one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback, who, but who also – uh, got confused 
by pre-snap reads and then defenses changing at the snap, which Clemson players said they did effectively against Tua. I think that will tell us where he is in, in terms of his ability to take the next step. And we'll see how, how good Steve Sarkeesian has been in um, adapting that skill set of more NFL-type principles, West Coast offense-type principles to what Tua was really good at, in which, quite frankly, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a ton of experience in, and that's in, that's in the RPO. So that will be what I'm mainly watching against Duke come Saturday afternoon. And again, I'm I'm really excited to see because, you know, there are only a handful of opportunities. I'm going to actually, before the game, think that one of these teams has a legitimate shot to beat Alabama. That's the that's the that's the challenge in covering a team as good as Alabama is you have to find ways to cover interesting angles on a team that that were oftentimes the game is not it, right? I mean, there's not many where I'm like, wow, I don't know if Alabama's gonna win this one. I mean, the majority of times, 90, 95% of the times, you know Alabama's gonna win. It's just little angles in the game that you have to try to find to tell the stories in the season. That's what makes challenging or covering Alabama uh, particularly challenging. And how well he does that, John, will probably tell the story on how legitimate of a shot he's got to win the Heisman Trophy. And he's got – is he right now the second best odds, the first best odds to win the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, right right now, Aaron, you're looking at plus 250, um, which is right at the top of the board. Uh, Those odds are short. And and I think you hit the nail on the head as far as talking about that receiving core. If he can't win the the Heisman Trophy this year, uh, with the combination of that receiving core and the defenses that he'll be facing along the way, the only thing that I can come up with as a reason why he wouldn't win it is if if we saw what happened last year happen again this year. That is no snaps in the fourth quarter. Is that a possibility? I mean, where do you where do you sit on on that number plus two fifty? Do you, do you like it? Do you dislike it? Are you concerned about maybe the lack of playing time in the second halves? I it's too I, I there's no value in that number for me and and I would have I never would have thought that he would have lost that Heisman Trophy last year. Um me going neither. into the final, you know, that championship Saturday with the championship games, I just I just didn't see how he could do anything to lose it and uh, you know, he gets injured and Banged up in Georgia, Kyler Murray does Kyler Murray things against Big 12 defense and puts up monstrous numbers. And and it became a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately uh, scenario. So, yeah, I don't um, – you know, John, I don't know if he's going to put up the same numbers he did last year. I don't, And I don't know that Alabama wants him to particularly. They became so fast strike. They were such a quick-scoring offense last year that I think it sort of – wore the defense down a little bit. And when we start talking about how will Alabama's offense change this year, why would you change near perfection? And and that's where we are with what Steve Sarkeesian's being asked to do. You don't want to change it too much because it was really highly effective, but you need to be able to run the football. And I despite all all the records Alabama set last year and all the the points that they scored and how flashy they looked. There were times they had trouble running the ball. They they weren't overly proficient in short yardage when other teams knew they were going to run in the ball in the national championship game. Alabama moved the ball. The biggest perception of that is that Alabama's offense was horrible. It, Alabama's offense wasn't horrible. Alabama's offense was horrible in the red zone. They, I mean, go look at the total yards. Go look at the yards per play. Go look at 
Tua's total numbers. He had a couple bad interceptions, but Alabama moved the football up and down on that Clemson defense. The problem was they got into the red zone, they couldn't run the football, and they couldn't score. That's where I think Alabama, and that's why I, I question if Tua is going to have the same opportunities for the same numbers. I think they will. There will be times where Nick Saban will elect to take the air out of the football, simply to run the football, to shorten games, to limit exposure on his defense, uh, and and to work that offensive line so that when we need to be a power running football team, they've they've got the you know they got the uh, reps to do it, and so I. I would be surprised if we see the same sort of numbers from Tua um, from a passing perspective. But, you know, he – what was so remarkable – I mean, guys, he didn't throw his first interception until LSU last year. You're talking about the eighth game of the year he hadn't thrown an interception. He didn't play into the fourth quarter. That was like a, a storyline all into itself. And how much did that affect his total vote total? So I, I don't know, John. I just uh, – that, that number for Tua – Seems there's like there's very little value there because there's so many things that could go wrong as we saw last year in a in a Heisman candidacy where it doesn't seem like voters are weighing an entire season. It seems like they're weighing what you've done almost right before the vote. By the way, the only player with shorter odds is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson. He's plus two hundred. So uh, those are the two front runners by far. It's it's an interesting take, and you know I'll be honest with you, I've already got that locked in, Aaron. And the reason why I do is because while I agree the value is not is not good, but when I'm looking at other things that are on the board in regards to the 2019 Alabama football program, you're not going to find much value anywhere, even. You know, that win total, we talked about it at over 11. I think that's a guaranteed push either way. This team's not losing more than one game unless you've got news for me. Um, I don't suspect you think they're going to lose two. But that that over 11 is is juiced out almost to, to minus 200 at places. So you can't even get a good uh, value pick on this team going undefeated. Yeah, it's uh, you're right about that. There's You don't bet Alabama for value. So that's probably not the best way to phrase that argument in terms of two. Uh, it's just... There's so many uh, things that affect the Heisman and voters that are really beyond a guy's control that it's it's nearly impossible to to feel with any good certainty that, that Tua would win it this year because, as you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence, who knows what Jalen Hurts is going to do. There's Jake Fromm. Um, it's going to go to a quarterback. It nearly always does, but – um, that's that's kind of where Tua is right now, and that's that's the way he's going to be judged. He's going to be judged against his own performance last year, and for his um, for his detract, you know, the people that that are going to pick his game, they're going to want to see. Well, they don't really care what you do against Duke. They don't really care what you're going to do against Arkansas or the bad teams of the SEC. You're going to play. They want they want to see that you've improved. They want to see you do it uh, against Georgia and against Oklahoma. Um, you know, and this year, I guess, because that game is on the road, how you do against Auburn, because he absolutely torched Auburn in the second half of the Iron Bowl last year. But that's, that's where, you know, that's where they are with this team right now is, um, you know, you have to win it all. You got to basically be perfect to be remembered and it's not out of line. And I'm generally a guy that, that tries to make expectations fair, but these expectations aren't unfair. That's how good they are. That the fact that if they don't win at all, I think it's another missed opportunity. I think it was a missed opportunity last year, 
and it's just been the same team once in 2016, once in 2018 that stood in the way of, of perfection. And Nick Saban's only gone perfect at Alabama one time in 2009. Uh, but if it wasn't for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, he would have done it three times. Uh, if you want to follow uh, my work, you can always follow me on Twitter at Aaron Suttles. You can follow John Hayes at John Hayes on air. That's H-A-Y-E-S. Um, this week I'm going to be working on stories, obviously, um, picking apart the depth chart. I'm going to take a little more in-depth look of uh, about how DJ Dale as a true freshman came into Alabama and won a starting job while everyone was not looking at him. I mean, the fact that he wasn't – guys, he, he probably wasn't even – I'm trying to think and put myself back there in January, February when we're all hyped up for recruiting. I don't even know if I'd say he was the third or fourth biggest name on that defensive line recruiting class. I'm not talking about in the entire class. I'm talking about on Alabama's defensive line recruiting class that had featured Antonio Alfano and Ishmael Sopser and Justin Aboigby. I mean, those are three guys that had more hype than DJ Dale. I mean, I, that's just off the top of my head without me even looking at the, the defensive line recruiting class. And DJ Dale is the last man standing. DJ Dale is the guy that said, oh, I know the the pedigree you have at this position. I know Deron Payne. I know Quinny Williams. I'm the next, it's my turn. I'm a true freshman. I'm going to win the job. So I'm going to take a little closer look at that as, uh, as, as we get into that. And then uh, on Friday, I'll be dropping a mailbag. So be looking out for the prompt to submit your questions uh, probably on Wednesday or Thursday to get your questions in for the last mailbag of the season. Hopefully we'll get some good ones in there. Um, now, Monday's going forward. This podcast is, is going to be free. And so obviously we would love for you uh, if you haven't already to to join uh, the fastest growing website in the world, not just sports website, a subscription website in the world. Um, what the athletic has done is phenomenal. I think you'll you'll find above all beyond just excellent um, employees that the athletic has and, and great reporters and great writers. What I find enjoyable is when I click on an article, I don't have to worry about my page being forwarded somewhere else or a video popping up screaming at me. I, I click on something and believe it or not, it's the article I want to read and I don't have to fight to get to the information. I don't get halfway through the article and something flashes up on the screen and I got to figure out where I got to need to go back to on the screen. That's, that's the beauty of the athletic. It's, it's clean. It's, it's what you want if you were designing it. And by the way, they just have, the some of the best writers and reporters in the country and now we have podcast in so do me a favor i mean there you can take a uh you can give it a week trial for free i promise you you're not going to be disappointed uh and they are running promotions all the time uh for this website you just you're not going to find anything better out there you can you can basically program it like your own cable system you like say you like the Braves you can follow the Braves. You like Alabama football and basketball. That information is coming to your feed. You don't have to go search for it. You tell them what you like and it's coming to you. It's just part of what you get when you join the athletic. John, anything else we missed in the, in the first episode? No. I, I mean, your breakdown of the, the depth chart was was phenomenal. I, my, my one takeaway, just honestly, Aaron, listening to you talk about all that is – 
the amount of true freshmen, the amount of freshmen that are playing. I mean, a true freshman kicking and punting for Alabama, Aaron, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, you know, when you rely on freshmen, you you do invite trouble. Um, and that, that position we saw inside linebacker last year, there were times, and they didn't play any freshmen. They played Mac Wilson, a very experienced player. They played Dylan Moses. And there were times people um, took advantage of that. So you wonder – if, uh, if they'll be able to do the same thing this year. You get the sense, though, that Dylan Moses is ready to lead. Uh, hey, before we go, John and I uh, want to tell you all that we appreciate you listening so much. We're psyched to, uh, to start second and 26 and continue it. And, um, and we're not the only ones. The Athletic is releasing a bevy of new college football podcasts, NFL podcasts, for you to enjoy. Um, a couple of our new podcasts include our Nebraska Cornhusker show, The Sellouts with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson, as well as It Never Rains uh, from Tyson Algers and Aaron Fentress about the Oregon Ducks. You guys know Oregon's taking on Auburn in the biggest, um, the biggest week one matchup in college football. So make sure you follow all your favorite athletic podcasts on this website and on the app for notifications when new episodes drop. Um, my plan and uh, as long as um, we're able to get this done, you know, college football, we do travel sometimes on the weekend coming back from uh, campuses across the country. But uh, our plan is always to have an episode out for on Monday, at least Monday afternoon for you to enjoy. And then on, on uh, Thursdays or Fridays, we'll have another one previewing the next matchup. We'll also, you know, on our, our Thursday podcast, we're going to feature your questions. So, um, if you're listening to this and you, you know, you've been dying for me to address something and you just haven't heard me do it. Hey man, send me a, you know, send me a comment on one of my articles. You can tweet at me at Aaron Suttles. Uh, you can send me an email. There's a, a bunch of different ways you can get your question answered. If you're just dying to know something and I haven't taken that particular angle and we will feature that on the podcast. Uh, again, well, we, we're really excited to bring you second and 26. It's only going to get better. I'm going to work out the kinks and, and get more natural doing this. And um, we're looking forward to a great college football season. And as I'm sure you've seen, the addition that the Athletic has made, um, they're investing heavily in college football. They know your passion. I know your passion for Crimson Tide football. John uh, Hayes knows your passion. He's worked in the SEC a long time. And so we know how seriously you take it. And we know that the info you want, and we know that – um, you're very passionate about your college football, particularly here in the Birmingham market, which, by the way, led all countries again. I think it had an 18 share uh, nationally on watching uh, Florida and Miami. Birmingham loves college football. Birmingham will watch college football. And I have no doubt Birmingham will be listening to this podcast. So thanks for joining us. Uh, for John Hayes, this is Aaron Suttles signing off from Second 26. 